0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So the cool thing about today, I've been kind of prefacing this. and I've been wanting to do it now, but uh, probably won't until tomorrow. But that whole thing about Packers compared to the rest of the league, um, I did it apparently a year ago today. So that's pretty good timing. So you'll get a little bit of an intro about what's coming tomorrow. And again, I'm going to be spreading it out a little bit more but uh, also talking about the new staff. So again, this is from 365 days ago today. And uh, again, otherwise, I will talk to y'all tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, let us get started. Get started like a stable boy. So the first thing that I actually just missed, and I don't exactly know how, um, I was reading a bunch of articles. They never even listed it, so apparently I'm not the only one that missed it. But colk uh, colk. I'm trying to say his last name right, and I can't even, t- I called him Kolk. Kolk Olivadati. Pretty sure that's how you pronounce his last name. Kolk Olivadati? Goodness gracious, it's Kirk Olivadati. He is um, one of the older coaches on the team at 45 years old. It's not known yet if uh, they will provide geriatric services to him. Um, I would assume so. Motorized scooter, um, things of that nature. But he was hired as the linebacker's coach. Quick overview of some of the stuff he's done. 1997, started at the Maine Maritime Academy as a wide receivers coach. Indiana State, from 98 to 99, he was an assistant coach. Jumped over to the Washington Redskins as a defensive quality control coach, then defensive back coach for the Redskins, then defensive quality control coach. Again, I guess a demotion in 2004 for the Washington Redskins. Then special teams assistant for the Redskins 2004 to 2006. Then linebackers coach 2007 to 2009 before becoming defensive assistant for the Washington Redskins in 2010. So obviously, this is kind of how he got to know LaFleur, who spent time uh, with Jay Gruden in Washington. He then went on to be the linebackers coach for Georgia 2011 to 2013. Then goes back to Washington as a linebackers coach. Um, seems as though he's really trying to climb the ladder, but just keeps. Kind of getting stuck. He's spinning his wheels a little bit, because then he makes a lateral move to the Packers as a linebackers coach. So um, I kind of did a little bit of digging. I know a lot of this doesn't really have anything to do with production. You know, I'm sure he's a, a great husband and father, does charity work, and uh, that was probably the end of the interview. But just for our sake, let's take a look at some of the uh, some of the groundwork he's laid. And by the way, linebackers coach was sort of the Winston Moss title. I mean, Winston Moss had other titles, but I'm assuming this is inside and outside linebackers. I would still kind of like an outside linebackers coach. And what I mean by that is, go out and find a pass rusher, a guy who played pass as a pass rusher. I don't care who it is. How about we just cut Clay Matthews now and see if he wants to come back as a coach? I, I don't care. Get somebody that understands pass because those are two... Compl- I mean, calling it linebacker would be like having a defensive line coach in a 4 or3 and he's your like he does the the 310 pound defensive tackles but he also coaches your pass rusher like pass rush is a specialty man that should be like they what I, I don't know I, why, why do I even have to explain this I feel like I shouldn't have to explain this to anybody very very important position and yet and and, and they have to do very different things like an inside linebacker your primary skill set. You know, there's some overlap with like coverage, like dropping into to a zone, slightly different angle getting into that zone. Linebackers who are off the ball compared to outside, but it's uh, the same deal. But otherwise, very different job. It's almost as if the linebacker name is just a name, and actually they're two entirely different positions, which is why I don't even refer to three, four outside linebackers as linebackers. I call them edge rushers. Linebackers are off-ball guys. middle linebackers, 4-3 outside linebackers, 3-4 inside linebackers. Those are linebackers. A 3-4 outside linebacker is an edge rusher. A 4-3 defensive end is an edge rusher. They're not defensive linemen, they're edge rushers. Defensive tackles are defensive tackles. 3-4 defensive ends, 3-4 nose tackles, 4-3 defensive tackles. And again, the reason I think that's so important is because Calling a 3-4 outside linebacker or a linebacker is nonsense. They're built like linebackers, kind of, but their primary goal is to go get the quarterback just about every single play. That's very different than a normal linebacker, than every other kind of linebacker, because it's a different position. It's also potentially the second most important position. So again, why do we not have a, a coach dedicated to this? We had an inside linebackers coach, a guy whose job was dedicated to when we already had a linebackers coach, we have another coach whose job is to work with the inside linebackers. Blake Martinez has his own coach. Clay Matthews has Winston Moss, who has like six different titles, and is a little wonky in the mind, in 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 the uh, in the in the brain a little bit, you know. Just feel like we should maybe put a little more effort into it. Maybe we could have had a little bit of a better outcome. You know, very important position. We're paying a lot of money into the position. We're getting no production out of the position, maybe because we don't have anybody coaching that position. I don't know. I'm just saying. Am, am I crazy? I don't know because I, I, I can't stare out into an auditorium of all you people listening, which is a good thing because I would just cower into myself and start crying because I don't, you know, the whole public speaking thing. There's a lot of people that listen. But because the Packers aren't doing it, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if maybe I'm just crazy. And I don't make any sense. Anyways, (laughs) Kirk Olividati is our linebackers coach. And to be clear, with the Washington Redskins, he's listed as a linebackers coach. He was the inside linebackers coach. The Washington Redskins run a 3-4 system and also had an outside linebackers coach, which, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's something we could talk about or think about. I never thought about that before, but maybe we could look into that. I don't know. But I'm not exactly sure what the Packers are planning on doing. I really do hope that when they call him a linebacker's coach, what we mean is inside linebacker's coach. So anyways, looking at the uh, Washington Redskins linebackers, there's definitely some production. The number one player on their defense was Zach Brown. Zach Brown is a linebacker. Not a small sample size either. This is 703 total snaps. Um, And if if you look at his career, what's especially impressive is that he spent his first four years with the Tennessee Titans Um, His best year was above average. He goes over to Buffalo, has another above average year, comes to Washington. His first year is not good. It's right at average. But then in his second year, you know, one year of development, let's give this guy a year, the guy goes from average to elite. By far his best year ever. Best run defense grade is very good. His tackling grade is very good. It was his best ever. His pass rush grade was above average, which was his, I don't know, third best-ish. And his coverage grade was actually very good second best of his career so the totality of his career is above average average Uh, and then 2014 he didn't really play then good good and then when he goes to Washington it's average elite so however you want to slice that that's pretty impressive Zach Brown is a second round pick in 2012 by the Tennessee Titans Um, so obviously the talent is there and he was able to unearth it which is pretty awesome the fifth best player on their defense was Zach Vigil. Slightly smaller sample size here. Actually, quite a bit smaller. But there's no question that there's uh, progression here. I mean, I well, I, I don't know. Maybe you can't even say that because the sample size is so small. But either way, it was it was average to above average to good was, was generally his progression. Really hard to say. But this is a guy who is a um, 2015 undrafted free agent by the Miami Dolphins. Since coming to Washington, he seems to be getting better, although he's hurt all the time, so whatever. Mason Foster, a third-round pick in 2011 by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's not a good football player. Um, he's had one good season that was with the Washington Redskins. Definitely, so he spent four years with Tampa, four years with Washington. The four years with Washington are definitely better, but he's just, he's just not a good football player is all there is to it. So no, he didn't turn him into a stud, which is definitely unfortunate. Again, he had one good year in 2016 with the Redskins. But I think it's just one of those things where it doesn't really matter where he goes, he's not very good. But again, definitely a much better player when he went over to Washington than when he was with Tampa. Sean Dion Hamilton, sixth-round pick in 2018 this past year. Played pretty sparingly. He actually started at the second half of the year. He actually did okay. His overall grade was not good, but primarily that's because in Week 17 against Philadelphia, he had just the worst game in the history of the world. If you erase that, which I, I can't, I don't know their formula for how they averages stuff out. But if you erase that, he had a really good season. I mean, he started in week 12. Uh, He had a good game, uh, above average game, above average game, a very good borderline elite game against Jacksonville. Um, And then uh, another good game against Tennessee, and then again against Philadelphia. Horrible. But even in that game, his tackling grade was Above average, I mean, almost very good. And then his pass rush was also considered uh, very good. He actually had two total pressures on three pass rush attempts, including one sack. Uh, He had uh, four tackles and one assist tackle on only 19 run defense snaps. So add in the sack, and it was was a pretty productive day, but his run defense grade and his coverage grade were just horrific. So not bad for a sixth-round pick who is a rookie uh, out of Alabama. And then uh, finally, we've got uh, Josh Harvey Clemens. Not a very good football player, but he has progressed from 2017 to 2018. He's gone from abysmal to bad, so there's that. But uh, seventh-round pick in 2017. Uh, Prior to that, with his time in Georgia, not a whole lot to go off of here. There's a few names. Uh, Rameek Wilson, who's not a very good football player. Um, Jarvis Jones, who's no longer even in the league. And Alec Ogletree, who's with the Giants, also not a very good football player. Um, But these are the guys that he has some experience with back when he uh, coached at Georgia. So if a guy like Alec Ogletree did become available, you know, it's something to keep an eye on, I suppose. But, you know, eh. But anyways, I'm not going to go back and uh, analyze any further than that. Go back to, you know, even more people that he coached. He was a linebackers coach for the Redskins 2007-2009. to It is what it is. Fact of the matter is they did bring him back. Um, So you can look at it how you want. They do like him as a linebackers coach. Apparently they don't like him enough to give him a promotion. But, uh, you know, Lafleur does have experience with him, seems to like him. There definitely has been some production. And there's growth, and that's really all that matters. Because we got a guy like Oren Burks, and you'd really like to be able to see him grow into something. And as much as it's disappointing with Oren Burks, as I've said, um, Blake Martinez had a terrible rookie year. Uh, Jake Ryan, terrible rookie year both of those guys got better every single year I'm not I'm definitely not giving up now we don't have the linebackers coach that those guys had anymore so there's no guarantee but again that's why you need coaches that can make improvements and as best as I can tell Kirk Olivadotti has done that by the way we should get an outside linebackers coach one of these days just saying Uh, the other news that did become official Milt Hendrickson from the Baltimore Ravens was hired by the Green Bay Packers he was given the title of Director of Football Operations, which is a pretty massive title. So you have to assume that this guy is, I mean, he's friends with Gutekunst, which is somewhat upsetting. The only reason I say it's upsetting is because it's easy to say he obviously is very well respected throughout the NFL, but maybe it's not so much that. It's just that Gutekunst likes him. I mean, to some degree, it's going to be, you know, a measure of he's, he's worth it. But it's, it's not just, you know, it's it's the whole relation thing. I know I can work with this guy. We're friends. We get along well. You know, we think alike. That kind of stuff. It's not just based on he is an absolute machine. But, um, no, he is he is a, a high-ranking guy with the Ravens. Uh, been a college scout for most of his career, or all of his career, possibly. I don't even know. But that is his background, uh, college stuff. So director of football operations, he should be able to help out quite a bit. And, again... Packers do emphasize the draft more than anything. So I have very high expectations. I mean, the fact of the matter is, look, we don't have a whole lot of pro personnel guys, you know, the 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 guys that can help us get free agents and those kinds of things. So if we're going to put all this, these resources into, um, you know, scouting college stuff, that's fine. That should be a team's bread and butter. That should be what you're better at. If you, you know, draft and develop. Again, that's, that, that is the most important thing. Draft good players and then get good coaches that can develop the guys that you draft and you're going to have good football teams. And then you have that replacement rate so that as guys get better and become more expensive, you can make intelligent decisions about whether you keep them or you let them go. And you get to a situation where you can let really expensive guys go because you've drafted talent behind them, depending on the position. I mean, if you have a stud edge rusher, we're paying them and we have depth, I guess. I don't know. But you get into a situation like with Jake Ryan. At this point in time, I definitely want to keep Jake Ryan. It's not even a question. He's he's heads and tails better than Morrison. Jake Ryan is, to be completely honest, Jake Ryan, the last year he played, was better than Blake Martinez. Nobody wants to mention that because everybody's looking at stats and numbers, and Blake Martinez was a tackling machine, and that's awesome. But his overall grade, which, oh, blah, 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 blah I know, whatever. His overall grade, including his ability to cover, You know, looking at things like shedding blocks, not just raw numbers like making tackles, Jake Ryan was a better linebacker than Blake Martinez, and nobody wants to admit that or talk about that. It's like, oh, we need to let him go. But the fact of the matter is, had we been drafting guys, and had Oren Burks been a little bit better, and had we developed him a little bit more, we could have had an opportunity to say, you know what, we have Oren Burks, we have Blake Martinez, and then as depth, we have a guy like Morrison and some other guys that don't cost any money. We can let Jake Ryan walk. We don't have to pay him a big boy contract. But now we kind of do have to, in my opinion. If we don't, which we might not, I think we should have paid Morgan Burnett for that exact same reason. Not necessarily because he's worth it, uh, you know, worth the money, worth the contract and all that, but because we just don't have anybody else and that leaves us in a very dire situation. But we'll see. But anyways, uh, you know, I know he's not the one fully pulling the trigger, but I do want to look at uh, a couple of their draft picks over the years. Um, a little background on him, by the way. He is a Wisconsin guy, high school coach in Wisconsin. Uh, assistant coach UW lacrosse, uh, joined the Ravens in 2005 as a personnel assistant, promoted to Midwest Regional Scout in 2008, um, then was a National Scout in 2016. So this is a pretty big jump up for him. He essentially, well not essentially, he did, he took Elliot Wolf's job. So that's how big of a job that is. So Hendrickson is a, uh, he is a Packers fan. He's a Wisconsin guy. So pretty happy about it. But since 2016, when he became a National Scout, you know, I suppose we can go back further and find out some of the Midwest guys he got. Actually, that's kind of interesting. So anyways, a couple of those guys. Let's just look at it. 2015, when he was a Midwest Regional Scout, Max Williams out of Minnesota in the second round. Uh, Carl Davis, defensive tackle in the third round out of Iowa. Not exactly sure what the territory is, but those two are definitely Midwest. Uh, 2013, Arthur Brown, Kansas State, probably Midwest. Uh, John Simon, fourth round, Ohio State. Ricky Wagner out of Wisconsin in the fifth round, a tackle. 2012, Kaleche Osemele, a uh, tackle out of Ohio or Iowa State. So they definitely drafted a good amount of Midwest people. I mean, when you consider the amount of talent that comes out of places like Alabama, you know, big-time programs, you don't usually think Iowa State, Indiana. There, there's two or three Midwest guys every year, which maybe is part of the reason he got a promotion. But, uh, you know, 2011, Tandon Doss, Indiana. Again, there's probably a lot more, but I'm not going to take a guess at which schools are Midwest and which ones aren't. Don't exactly know how big that range is. But anyway, since becoming the the National Scout in 2016, here's a couple people that they uh, picked up. So in the first round of 2016, they got Ronnie Stanley, a tackle at pick six. He's been a very good left tackle for that team ever since. Um, Their second and third round picks, both defensive ends, are no longer with the team, so that hurts kind of reminiscent of what we have with the Packers. Tavon Young, quarterback, cornerback, is still there. Not super great. Chris Moore, wide receiver, is still there. Also not very good. Pretty mediocre guy. Alex Lewis, they drafted as a tackle, moved him into guard. He's pretty horrible. They did uh, draft Kenneth Dixon. He had a pretty good rookie year. Ended up getting benched this year because of guys like Gus Edwards, Javorius Allen, Alex Collins. I mean, they they get a lot of these kinds of guys that kind of show off for like a year. You know, they're a real big name and then you just don't hear about them anymore. You know, Buck Allen was, you know, I think it's just a lot of injuries and then next guy up and then they have a pretty good year. So again, with guys like Alex Collins, uh, Buck Allen, they brought in Ty Montgomery, Gus Edwards, Kenneth Dixon just did not get a huge amount of uh, playing time. But very good receiving back actually. Very good might be strong, but he's pretty good. The best that they had on the team, let's say that. Uh, Matt Judon in the uh, fifth round is actually a pretty decent defensive end uh, pass rusher for the team. Not elite, but for a fifth-round guy to get that much production is pretty solid. Otherwise, the two sixth-round guys, not much there. Uh, 2017 first-round pick Marlon Humphrey. That guy was, uh, man, oh man, I really liked him. Pretty productive guy, so another good pick in the first round. Two good first-round picks. This was at pick 16, so definitely a very, very solid pick there. Uh, Tyus Bowser in the second round, not a whole lot there. Definitely not good enough for a second-round pick. Uh, He's well behind uh, Judon Suggs, Darius Smith. He really needs to step up in the third round for him to not be a pretty big bust, especially with Terrell Owens going out. I'm sorry, Terrell Suggs. That's a very different person. Drafted Chris Wormley, pretty solid guy as a uh, defensive lineman. A 3-4 defensive end, that is. Third-round pick, pretty solid. Uh, they drafted Tim Williams uh, in the fourth round, I believe, who's actually pretty solid. He didn't get a whole lot of uh, playing time or snaps, but uh, he actually graded out as their number one pass rusher, so it's kind of weird they didn't give him much opportunity, probably because most of his talent is run defense as opposed to pass rusher, so situational guy, but again, pretty solid to get a at least a situational guy to come in in certain situations, you know, third and short, whatever, go ahead and put him out there on the edge. He's, he's, a, he's a productive player, very, very good run defender. Mr. Nico Siragusa, somebody we all know, drafted him out of San Diego State in the fourth round. Uh, Jermaine Illuminor, he's playing offensive tackle. He was a guard in college. Obviously, that isn't panning out very well. Late round guys that play guard that you try to push out to tackle, I'm guessing the hit rate on that is like one-ish percent, if that. Finally, Chuck Clark uh, didn't make the team. That brings us to the 2018 draft. Now this one's kind of interesting because in the first round with the 25th pick they picked Hayden Hurst a tight end. So right off the bat this guy does not have any objection to drafting tight ends because they actually drafted two in this draft which is crazy. Now there were a bunch of guys not super super elite like early first round guys but there were a bunch that were thought of as like late first early second and they ended up getting two of the big name guys one of them in the third round which is really impressive. But they got Hayden Hurst with the first pick. Um, He's Mediocre, I guess. I mean, definitely better than anybody we have, but not very good. I shouldn't say that. He's moderately better than anyone we have. Then they traded up to get Lamar Jackson. We'll see how that pans out. Obviously, that at this point seems like a horrible decision, but, um, you know, we'll see. Then they did not have a second round pick because they traded up to get Lamar Jackson, but in the third round, they got Orla- Orlando Brown and Mark Andrews. Both of those guys are pretty decent. Orlando Brown. Uh, his draft stock completely tumbled he was considered like a mid-first and then he did like four push-ups like literally it was it was like he benched i don't know 12 times which is just incredible for a guy his size he's getting beat by like you know 185 pound defensive backs putting up like 13 reps or something but anyways he's been pretty decent at right tackle mark andrews is actually their top uh tight end he was A lot of people thought easily the best. He's a first-round draft pick, whatever. For whatever reason, he fell to the third round. They decided to draft him. I'm guessing it was just a value thing. They're thinking, I don't want to draft him. But, I mean, he's easily the best guy on the board. So they did out of Oklahoma. Same place as Orlando Brown. Mark Andrews was uh, the 11th best tight end in the NFL. Very good receiving back. So they, you know, in the first three rounds, they got Hayden Hurst, Orlando Brown, and Mark Andrews. All three seem to be pretty good guys. Uh, Lamar Jackson, we will see. Uh, they also got Anthony Averitt in the fourth round, did not get a lot of playing time, only 73 snaps, but as far as his grade in those 73 snaps, he was the second best uh, cornerback behind Marlon Humphrey, who was who they drafted the year prior. Uh, they drafted Kenny Young in the fifth round, mediocre, sorry that's also fourth round, fourth round Jaleel Scott, wide receiver, never really saw the field, actually he was on IR, that's why, so can't really give him a proper analysis. Jordan Lasley, wide receiver, never really saw the field. Deshaun Elliott was a pretty big name safety. They got him in the sixth round. He also was on IR, so we don't really know what happened there. Sanat, the next guy they got, also on IR. Never got to see what happened there. He's a tackle. Uh, Bradley Bozeman, uh, he was a center in college. They brought him in as a guard. Uh, Not super great. Very limited as far as snaps, but he was actually better than Alex Lewis, so not bad, especially considering how late they ended up drafting him, which was the sixth round. And then finally, in the seventh round, Zach Sealer, defensive end, he graded out his average, which for a seventh round defensive end, which, you know, 3-4 defensive end, defensive lineman, basically, this was a pretty solid draft class. The only potential big miss is going to be Lamar Jackson if he doesn't turn the ship around. But to get talented guys out of you know your third-round picks, Orlando and Mark Andrews, uh, fourth-round pick Anthony Everett, there's talent all through this draft. Now the one thing that I think is extremely interesting out of this whole thing, aside from you know being relatively decent drafts, is the fact that they took two tight ends, Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. Now they have another tight end who's a very good tight end by the name of Max Williams, and he's due for a contract. Now. He's worth a contract, but why in the world are you going to extend Max Williams to a contract when you drafted two guys that both seem to be pretty solid? And by the way, they actually have a third guy that's also pretty decent at tight end uh, by the name of Nick Boyle. So you've already got three that are decent, and Mark Andrews seems like he could potentially be somewhat of a stud. Why are you extending Max Williams? You probably won't. Now, why is that interesting? Well, I don't know. We need a tight end. And yeah, he's a free agent, but guess how old he is? He's 24. Now, it doesn't make any sense. Why would Baltimore get rid of a pretty good, pretty talented 24-year-old? Because again, don't pay him when you've already got Mark Andrews, who's young. Hayden Hurst is probably like 25, 26, because they drafted him. He was very old. Nick Boyle, I believe, is pretty young it's going into his 5th year so i mean he's not like 32 or anything so you got three moderately aged to young mark andrews very young tight ends you just don't do it now if max williams becomes available again not only does our director of uh, pro or director of what what is his title football operations so he will be in charge of pro personnel as well as the college scouting and all that stuff meaning not only was he the one scouting cuz remember he was a midwest regional scout where did Max Williams come out of in the second round? Minnesota. He's the one that directly scouted Max Williams, and he's the reason that Baltimore pulled the trigger on him. So there's not really anybody in the country that knows about Max Williams the way Milt Hendrickson does. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if you told me to pick a team, if Max Williams is going to be a free agent, where's he going to go? I would say the Green Bay Packers. It just makes too much sense very young, unbelievably athletic. He was he was easily the best in that class, thought to be a, a hands-down first-round pick. Ends up going in the second, and again, it was Milt Hendrickson, the Midwest regional scout, who scouted him, who gave his full report to the team. They really liked him. They took him in the second round. I really like it, man. I, I think it's what the Packers need. We, we not only need a good tight end, we need some youth. This is the kind of thing where you can bring in Max Williams. You can get rid of pretty much everybody, with the exception of I don't know. I'd kind of like to, to try my hand at uh, Mercedes Lewis maybe one more time. Now that we got Nathaniel Hackett, if we can get him back as a uh, as a blocking guy, then again Max Williams' his primary skill set is blocking. He's he's an okay receiver. He's still the second best receiver on the team. He's not quite where Max and or Mark Andrews is. But I'm just saying, man, I think that would be pretty solid. We got a new tight ends coach. We got Aaron Rodgers is gonna be his quarterback, which is a pretty big difference. We got a team run by LaFleur who's really interested in getting the run game going, utilizing guys like Max Williams in that role of, of blocking H back, whatever. I just I don't know. I like it. I'm I'm just I'm gonna pencil it down right now. Max Williams to the Green Bay Packers. And if they extend him, then good. They deserve him. You can have Mark Andrews, Max Williams, Nick Boyle, and Hayden Hurst. Go for it. Knock yourself out. Actually, Nick Boyle's up for a contract too, but he's 25, and he's just about as good. So fine. Go ahead and keep Max Williams. We'll get Nick, Nick Boyle. So burn. Anyways, that's the end of that nonsense. All right, so the final thing is this little thing that I've done. Essentially what it is, and I've told you that I was going to do this, and I did it. Uh, only for offense so far. We'll get defense hopefully today, tomorrow, whatever. But I've taken every starting position. So that is quarterback, and I've put their name next to each position. So quarterback, Rodgers, wide receiver one, Adams, wide receiver two, Equinemius. This is based on their pro football focus grade, by the way. So Equinemius was our second best wide receiver. Wide receiver three, MVS. Our fullback, Vitaly, which I probably wouldn't have uh, used Vitaly because of his... He only had like 20 snaps or something, but uh, because I want to be able to visualize it for the Packers, and I don't really care about other teams, I wanted to put him in there. I did RB1 and 2, which is Jones and Williams. Tight ends 1 and 2, which is Kendricks and Graham. And then offensive line, Bakhtiari, Taylor, Lindsley, McCray, and Balaga. Again, I'm just looking at offensive starters. I'm not looking at depth. And then what I did. So that's on the top, uh, you know, going across. That's columns B, C, D, blah, blah, blah. If you look at each row, you have a list of 32 teams. So for each team, for example, right at the top, for whatever reason, it's sorted, you have the New England Patriots. So you can look at a cross-section and you can say New England Patriots wide receiver three was ranked 29th in the NFL. And what I'm doing is I'm comparing. This isn't just a rank, because if you go to Pro Football Focus and look at their ranks, you look at wide receiver ranks. So you can see so-and-so, you know, Equinemius is maybe the 113th best wide receiver or whatever. I just made that up. But how does he compare to every other wide receiver two? How does Marquez compare to every other wide receiver three? This is also going to be a really good resource for the draft, because if you're doing a mock draft, you look at the Detroit Lions, for example, who do I want to pick? Which position are they hurting the most compared to the rest of the league? Well, they have the 25th best tight end two, the 25th best right guard compared to other right guards. So those are areas to look at. Because again, it's not just how good is this player, but I mean, if you've got, you know, you could look at it and say, oh, your center is graded relatively low. Well, most centers are graded low. It's actually the 14th best, so it's not that bad. You know, their, their wide receiver three is, is graded relatively low. Yeah, but he's the sixth best wide receiver three. You see what I'm saying? Now, there's a little bit more, so I want to keep going. If you go past, you know, I've got the quarterback, all this different stuff. The next column says average. And essentially what this is, is looking at the average. Now, if you look at pro football focus, they'll give you your overall grade on offense. But I believe what they do is they wait based on, you know, it's not just an average. I promise you that. What I did is I said, let's forget the importance of each position you know quarterback is more important than fullback etc 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 i just want to know your grade or your rank and then i want to average that out so i can see just talent wise how talented are your starters so for example the uh let's say the chicago bears here their offense is the 13th most talented offense as far as their starters so again I'm just looking at starters and I'm not worried about, you know, which position is more important than the other. I'm just looking at overall talent. So this is all on the sheet and by the way, this is on Patreon. I uploaded it on Patreon for those of you that are giving $5 or more. I know I've got about 13 of you given under $5. If you want to bump that up to 5 bucks, Otherwise, anybody interested in this sheet for mock drafts or just for a reference for the Green Bay Packers because this is Packers centric? I've got the Packers highlighted. There's also another thing below I'm going to talk about in a minute that's just for the Green Bay Packers. But, um, anyways, that's where you can find that if you're at all interested in that. It's on Patreon, uh, five bucks a month. You get this sheet as well as pretty much every. I've got a bunch of other sheets that I've uploaded as files and resources that you can use, and I'm going to be doing that throughout the year every time I do one of these little projects. And again, if you want me to do a project, let me know you know, call in or text in a question. I'll uh, I'll analyze it and see what I can do. But uh, again, five bucks a month and you get all this stuff. After average, I went and did a few more things. The next column is wide receiver trio. So I want to know we've got wide receiver one, two and three who has the best trio. So for example, Let's pick a random one here, and we'll say the Carolina Panthers have the 17th best wide receiver trio. Then after that, I have running back duo. Let's say the Chargers have the number two best running back duo. I've got tight end duo. You can look at uh, the Steelers are number 11. Then I've got tackles. In other words, you know, your left and right tackle combined together. How, How good are they? Not surprisingly, the Packers are solid, but they're not number one. They are third. The Rams are number one. If you look at guards, you got the Patriots have the the number one in guards. And then I have the the final uh, column here is offensive line, which is all five guys. It looks like that's what it's sorted by, so that's why the, the teams are all messed up. But if you know how to use uh, Excel or uh, Google Sheets or whatever, however you want to open this, you know how to sort columns and all that stuff. Just be kind of careful. Make sure you're doing it correctly, otherwise you're going to kind of mess some stuff up. Not for me, I don't care, but you'll mess it up for yourself. But at the very bottom, what I've done, and this is just for the Green Bay Packers, what I've done is tried to quantify how much better or worse each one of these players, so Aaron Rodgers, Adams, Vitali, etc., etc., how much better or worse they are than the league average. So I've taken an average, and instead of giving you exact pro football focus grades, because I'm trying to mask that as best as I can, I set the average to 10. So the league average, minus the Green Bay Packers, the other 31 teams average out the average they've given an average grade of 10 just an arbitrary number i gave but then i've i've looked at the uh, overall quality of the players based on that so for example not surprisingly the one player who is the highest compared to the league is david bakhtiari he was given a grade of 12.21 so again 10 is the average 12.21 is david bakhtiari so they're all relatively close to 10 but, you know, that's that's just sort of the deviation. Again, I just want to show you not just where he ranks, so yes, he is number one, but to what degree is he better than the rest of the league? So anyways, I'm just going to run through the raw numbers for the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to go through the uh, the quantification grades, and then, um, you know, yeah, I'm kind of giving away the, the cow here, but again, if you want to write it down, fine. But I'm also going to be changing this and updating this because, again, this is, as I mentioned before anyways, this is looking back at 2018. This isn't looking into the future. So I'm going to be doing this again as the, the as you start to become more familiarized or as we start to learn how the 2019 rosters are going to shape up. So then we can look at it, give these guys proper grades, know who the left has, because it's tough right now. It's tough. You can't decide that. I don't know how many of these guys that are free agents are coming back, et cetera, et cetera. so I decided not to even try. I just want to look at 2018. So anyways, here we go. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers was ranked 5th. Devontae Adams was the 7th best wide receiver 1. Equinemius St. Brown was the 27th best wide receiver 2. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was the 23rd best wide receiver 3. So as you can see, wide receiver 2 and 3 also not very good at all. That's definitely an area where we need to improve. Uh, Danny Vitale was the 20th best fullback. Now, when you factor in how many teams don't have fullbacks, he was pretty close to dead last. Now, again, small sample size. Are we even going to use him? I don't know. I don't care. But bottom line is, if we're going to use a fullback, presumably we should probably try to get somebody better than Vitale. Uh, Aaron Jones was graded as the 10th best RB1. I know a lot of people aren't going to be happy with that, but it just is what it is. Uh, Jamal Williams the 14th best RB2. Tight ends, real nightmare. Lance Kendricks, the 29th best tight end one. We just did not have good tight ends. Uh, Jimmy Graham as tight end two was 18th. So obviously most teams do not have two tight ends. So having a guy like Jimmy Graham, who's as talented as Lance Kendricks. Um, but I mean, that's look at that from reverse. Basically, Kendricks and Graham and Lewis, for that matter, are kind of below average tight end twos is kind of another way to look at that right if, if 16 would be about the average 18 is slightly below average so Kendricks would be like an, a, a mediocre tight end two that really stinks man <laughs> David Bakhtiari number one left tackle uh, Lane Taylor was the 10th best left guard uh, Corey Lindsley the sixth best center Justin McRae the 10th best right guard which is encouraging to see at least top third And then Balaga was the 7th best right tackle. Overall, as an average, they have the 10th best offense. The 10th highest graded offense. So to to go back to some of the other questions I've got about how far away are we, you know, compared to some other people, yeah, we're lacking in some areas. But the areas we're lacking, wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3, not super premium positions, something we definitely need, but not the end of the world. Otherwise, tight end, but that's about it. Every single uh, offensive lineman we have is top 10. Um... Our running back, RB1, is top 10. What up? It's 5 o'clock already. Oh, man, I got to get going. Our uh, wide receiver, 1, is top 10. Our quarterback is top 10. I mean, those are all the the primary positions. So so what do we need? We need better tight ends and our wide receivers to either improve or to get some new ones. Otherwise, pretty much everybody's like top 10. I mean, if we just got a, a tight end one that was top 10, literally every number one position is top 10. Quarterback, wide receiver, fullback doesn't count, I don't care. Running back, tight end, tackle, guard, center, guard, tackle. Every single one of them would be top 10. That's pretty encouraging. And again, not a talent issue with the Packers. There's some talent issues, but that's not an excuse. 10th best offense did not play like the 10th best offense. Anyways, moving on. The 16th best wide receiver trio, which obviously that's pretty much just averaging out um, Devontae Adams being solid with the other guys not being super great. Uh, The 10th best wide receiver, or uh, running back duo, the 26th best tight end duo, which the only thing surprising about that is that there are six teams with worse tight ends. Third best tackle duo, as I said, the 10th best guard duo, and the third best offensive line in the NFL, which is just pretty awesome. It's also awesome because I still wouldn't mind, you know, taking a swing at a guard or something later in the draft, and, um, you know, improving the guards just moderately would easily bump us into the number one spot. Um, anyways, finally, let's just run through these real quick and then be done. Uh, again, this is the quantifying how much better or worse each position is. Um, and this is from 10. So you just got to kind of get a- acclimated. They're all going to be pretty close to 10. I got to zoom out a little bit here because I can't read the top and the bottom or just freeze the top pane would work, I guess. There we go. And again, the average is 10. Just So just try to visualize this. So Aaron Rodgers, 1179 Devontae Adams, 11.04. So these are better than average. Uh, Wide receiver 2, 9.06. Wide receiver 3, 9.57. Fullback, 9.03. All three below average. Uh, Aaron Jones, 10.5. Jamal Williams, 10.16. Lance Kendricks, 8.5. Just real bad. Uh, Jimmy Graham, 9.72. David Bakhtiari, 12.21. Uh, Lane Taylor, 10.77, Corey Lindsley, 11.48, Justin McCray 10.42, uh, Brian Balaga, 11.33, our average 10.4, so a little bit better than average, I suppose. Our wide receiver duo, 9.95, running back duo, 10.35, tight end duo 9.06, tackle duo 11.78, guard duo 10.59, offensive line 11.27. So if we were to look at the biggest discrepancies in talent and say that these are our biggest needs in the draft, for example, tight end is by far the biggest. Uh, After that would be fullback, then wide receiver two, then wide receiver three, then tight end two. I believe those are the only below average. So Assuming we don't really care about fullback, it's basically we need a tight end as our biggest priority. We need a wide receiver as our second biggest priority. However, our third biggest priority is def- also wide receiver. So maybe you just kind of package those and say it's the most important. But, you know, fourth biggest is tight end too. So <laughs> tight end and wide receiver, that's, that's pretty much it. Those are our biggest needs. Everything else is technically above average. That's including our guards, which, again, I'm I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying I'm satisfied. We could do better. We should do better. But just so you know, Justin McCray is technically above average. Again, he's not good, but he's better than most right guards. Lane Taylor, we could do better, but he's better than the average left guard in the NFL. So, anyways, that sheet is available if you want to play with it, if you want to see what some other teams have. Um, use it for mock drafts or just keep it for yourself as a general reference it's yours check out patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy and again it's it's five dollars a month or more the people that donate to that you'll be able to uh, unlock all the different things that i've been putting on there but anyways that's about it you folks have a fantastic day i'll talk to you tomorrow have a good one Bye bye